welcome to episode 5 of That's All I Know, the podcast for the perpetually curious. I'm Danielle, each week I choose something interesting, do some research, and then sit down to tell someone everything I know about it. This week I am back with my mum. Alright, so I'm in the because I've got one right and you haven't yet. Yeah, that's true. So your clue this week, see so if you can match me, yeah. is cleaning up the Thames. Cleaning up the Thames? Um, cleaning up the Thames. Is it about mucklarking? Oh, <laughs> then no. I think that's sort of, um, is it mudlarking? I don't know. It's like finding treasures in the Thames and cleaning them up. Oh, I mean, that might be, that might be at least that interesting. Yeah. I follow someone on Instagram who finds all sorts of treasures. Is that like when people do the thing like metal fishing or like magnet fishing or whatever it's called? Maybe, but this guy finds like all sorts of things, porcelain, gold, like badges, like all sorts of medals, all sorts of bits and bobs. Yeah, it's interesting. Coins, you know, blah, blah. Yeah, that's all. Yeah. Uh, well, it's not about that. Oh, okay, so I still <laughs> don't win. Yeah. It's still one little. Yeah. So, do you know who Joseph Bazalgette is? Joseph Bazalgette? No. No, okay. So we're in the 1850s. My, fa- my favourite time, yeah. Hundred years up to eighteen fifty. Up to eighteen fifty, yeah, and about the last hundred years we've been about a hundred sewers. Okay. So by this point we've got three hundred and sixty sewers and about two hundred thousand cesspits, which sounds disgusting. How delightful. Um so even though we've got all those sewers, a lot of them are in bad shape. The cesspits are all really dangerous because they're leaking like methane and other gases that Cause explosions and kill a load of people. Oh God, not looking good. But for the last few decades, we've had improvements going on to the water system, so the old wooden pipes are being replaced with metal ones, um, specifically iron ones. Yeah. Uh, we've got flushing toilets being introduced. Ah, oh, fancy. Yeah, fancy, mm. fancy. And in the first half of the nineteenth century. The population in London has tripled to 3 million. That's a lot. Yeah. Without a decent sewer system. Yeah. So, because of that, the sewers are just overwhelmed with the amount of waste that they're expected to handle. Yeah. Um, I mean, on top of that, we're about 20 years after the the end of the Industrial Revolution. Yep. So, you've got all the factories and industrial buildings as well along the Thames. so, yeah, you've got three million people and a bunch of factories if you want to go somewhere. Mm-hmm. Where's it going? In the Thames. Into the Thames. Directly into the River Thames. Oh, God. <laughs> yeah. So, basically, the whole the whole river just becomes a sewer. And by 1857, 
the government's solution to this is just to pour a bunch of stuff in there. So they're pouring in uh, chloride of lime, which is the stuff that we put in swimming pools now to clean it. Yeah. Um, they're putting lime or chalk in there, and they're putting carbolic acid in there. Right. Carbolic acid is what's used in carbolic soap that's like in a really small concentration that's in PCP. Um, and until they realised how uh, sort of harmful it was, it was like really massively used as an antiseptic. Which yeah. Was Joseph Lift was doing, and he did a lot of really cool stuff. I'd like to read about him another day. Mm. Um, but yeah, they realised how bad it was. We don't really use it for that anymore. I think PCP is like a 1.4% solution or something. That's a really tiny amount, but. Okay. Yeah. On mass, not a thing anymore, but at the time, they were pouring it into the tents. All of this to try and alleviate the smell, mm. which, when you think, I didn't, I didn't actually know how wide the tent is. I've walked across a load of bridges across it, but I've not actually done. It's between 200 and 400 meters wide at different points. Hmm. Well, all of that was full of fish, so it's going to stink. I mean, it is going to stink because it's long and all. Yeah. <clears throat> Especially for, like through the London bit, you know, and it goes out of each end of London, then out to Essex, and and then out the other end, sort of thing. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Um. At that, at this time as well, in during the Victorian time, their best understanding of how disease spread was the miasma theory. Hmm. You've got a miasma theory? I've heard of it. Miasma is the Greek word, or comes from the Greek word for pollution. Yeah. Or essentially it used to mean bad air. Yeah. So, what they believed was that bad smells spread disease. Yeah. Um, so yeah, things like rotten flesh, rotten plants, um... Rotten fruit. Yeah, sewage, like mm. infected people, all of that kind yeah. of the bad air that they thought spread disease. Yeah. Which, I suppose a lot of those things will smell bad and spread disease. So uh, they were kind of onto something with mm. maybe a link between some of those things. Yeah. They didn't quite have the understanding yet that it was the germs in the air and not the air itself. Yeah. That is their theory, so obviously with the whole of the terms and especially the whole of the city stinking, people are pretty concerned about it. Yeah. In particular, cholera is a big problem at the time. Yeah. And it spread quickly, got a massive fatality rate, so yeah, this whole massive river is a problem. It all sinking. Yeah. With their concerns around cholera. And the three outbreaks prior to this, we've got one in 1831. Yeah. Which killed 6,536 people. Yeah. Second outbreak in 1848 to 1849, which was 14,137 people. Mm hmm. And. One in 
understandably. Yeah. Um, and it's those outbreaks that sort of kicked off the idea that diseases, and in particular cholera, could be transmitted by water. Yeah. And not by air. So, John Snow, not that one, not the other one. Yeah. Um, he was, like, he did a lot for public health and hygiene, in medicine and anesthesia and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. Maybe I'll do a little... Um, Victorian man showcase. <laughs> 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 um, but he noticed during the second outbreak that the areas su- supplied by the Lambeth and the Southern Rockville Wood companies were the worst affected areas. Yeah. And he wrote a paper on it called On the Mode of Communication of Cholera. Mm-hmm. In that paper, he suggested that it was the water and not miasma that was causing the spread of it. Yeah. Unfortunately, it pretty much was not. Yeah. No one really paid attention to that paper. Yeah. However, during the third outbreak, he decided to do a little more investigation into it and try and prove his point a bit more. So during the third outbreak, he focused on a particular area and he removed the handle from the pump on Broad Street. Yep. Which is now Broad Street. Okay. Which is um, it's the road that runs along the bottom of Ferret Street and Poly Street. Okay. And on one of the corners down there, there's still like a memorial of the pump. Yeah. Like a replica of it, and there's a pub called the, the Drum Smart on one of the corners. Okay. Interesting. <laughs> yeah. Um. So yeah, by doing that, he took the pump off, of, and he took the handle off of that pump, and cut off access to the contaminated water for the people in that area. Yeah. And shockingly, the number of deaths fell in the area. Yeah. So that was kind of his bit of evidence that it was through water and not yeah. Um, it turns out that. You know, as the sewers were in bad shape, they were leaking into the well that that pump drew from. Yeah. And. Bumping everyone off. Yeah. Are you going to tell me at any point mm-hmm. that Queen Victoria had anything to do with this? Um. Like in, in the. Um, in the sort of uh, promotion of his paper. Or some, or, or Albert, or something like that, because there's something ticking away in the back of my mind that this is another one of those things where watching Victoria on ITV, mm-hmm. that series, they covered this. And I particularly remember, I was just sitting there thinking, where did I watch it? Rather than read it, of course. And I'm sure the, uh, sort of ladies made of hers, um, died. Spoiler alert. Um, because of one of the pumps on the corner of this particular road. So this, so they did use that in the storyline right. at some point. And I'm sure there was a thing where they went to her about it. Um, I mean, that could be true. I, mm. I didn't go look any more into the details of this story. Right. Okay. The overview. The overview. Yeah. Idea of the fact that 
it came from water and the idea that they should uh, sort of work to upgrade the sewer systems. Yeah. So, they do decide to do that. And while they're in the process of developing the sewer system, they set up the Metropolitan Commission of Sewers in 1848. Okay. And, I mean, that doesn't sound like my building department to work for. <laughs> <laughs> Someone's got to do it. Yeah. So by this point in 1848, all the new buildings have to connect to a sewer rather than a cesspit, and this Commission is working to get rid of all the cesspits. Okay. Or at least connect the cesspits to sewers. Okay. It's also decided at this time, out of fear of miasma spread of disease, yeah. that all of the sewers should be flushed through on a regular basis. Mm. So that, you know, it wasn't sitting in the sewers and causing a smell. But all that meant is that they were just washing it through the sewers into the town. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> so it didn't really help. Uh, in August of 1849, Joseph Bazalgette, a man that we were talking about earlier, yeah. becomes the assistant surveyor of the Metropolitan Commission of Sewers. Okay. And he starts developing a plan for London Sewers. In 1852, he is promoted to chief engineer. Hmm. Because this was a job, but it's still quite important. Still a tidy pay rise, yeah. Yeah. Um, he carries on developing his plan. In 1855, the Metropolitan Commission of Sewers is replaced by the Metropolitan Board of Works. Okay. As part of the Metropolitan Management Act of 1855. No. I'm telling you that because we'll refer to it again later. Okay. <laughs> um, and by the by sort of mid 1856, he's finished his plans. I mean, he's taken a while. He has taken a while, but it's quite a big job. But eight years, though, from what I've just worked out there, right? Mm, seven. Right, all right. I'll go over a year. Seven <laughs> years to draw up a bit of planning. It's a big plan. It is a big plan, but. That's a lot of shit going into the Thames in seven years. Yeah. His plans include three-foot-wide local sewers, which then flow into larger sewers and then flow into 11-foot outflow pipes. And mm. he's proposing a northern and a southern outflow sewer to serve each side of the river. Okay. Makes sense. Got to be on that. Um, he's also proposing that there will be pumping stations that move the sewage out to the east of the city. Yep. And he accounted in his plans for a rising population up to four and a half million. So he's planning ahead. He is planning ahead, but maybe an underestimate though. Shall I tell you why? Because around that time, the train system became much more um, efficient. Mm-hmm. And people travelled into London regularly from outside places like Romford and you know, like the surrounding counties to work and stuff. Right. Yeah, so I don't know how much he thought he was flying ahead. He was trying to, really. Okay, we'll give him credit. Yeah. 
Now these plans are originally rejected because the outflow pipes are still within the bounds of London. Oh. So they're like, nope, we're having that. They've got to go out of London, it's not good enough. Uh, so he refined his plans, he... Another seven years, or...? <laughs> <laughs> no, I believe this is within the year. Right, okay. Um, he refines the plans, he sort of makes the proposed changes. Yep. And his new plan involves the um, outflow pipes running it an extra 15 miles. Okay. And... He, with this new plan, the cost is estimated to be 5.4 million pounds. Which oh. is two and a quarter times his original estimate. Yeah. And do you want to guess, according to the Bank of England, how much money that is now? How much did you say? 5.4 million. In 1857. 1857. Hmm. I reckon. It would be ten billion. <laughs> Am I? Oh, go on then. Am I under or over? It's six hundred twenty-four and a half million. Oh, why did I say that much then? Six hundred twenty-four. What? Six hundred twenty-four and a half million. Okay, and it was five million then. Yeah. Okay. Yep. So in 1858 now, yeah, we've got these plans, but things are still getting worse. And the government is pouring a bunch of chemicals in it. Oh, they're still pouring that in? Okay. Maybe at that point they've given up because it's not working. But what had been the government's only plan <laughs> was failing. What a surprise. Mm. In the summer of that year, the temperatures reached 36 degrees Celsius. 197 this trip that they've gone on that made them get involved in it then? I mean, it sounds about right. It can affect everyday people for years, but as soon as the Queen's got the upside and not being able to go on a little boat trip, they've got to fix it. Mm. So your man's plans are rolled up and under his arm and he's off to the palace. <laughs> <laughs> so in June of 1858, it's affecting Parliament as well. Yeah. 
and the Houses of Parliament, obviously sit on the river. Yep, they kind of the window. Yep, they try soaking the curtains on the side that faces the river, the side of the building that faces the river, in chloride of wine. That same swimming pool stuff. Mm. And it doesn't work. <laughs> no. That's Probably not very good for the curtains either. Um, I'm not sure that's their biggest concern. Okay. But it didn't work, and they consider moving Parliament to Oxford or St Albans. Do you know what I've even Um Because I didn't find out why it was both places. Um, but there's quite an important thing about St Albans um, to do with courts and government, and there's a something court that they held at, at St Albans for a while, and also at Oxford. Oh, you don't know? No, I don't know. Oh, man. Maybe it'll come out of my head in a minute. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but they consider moving Parliament, and they don't do that in the end, but it is, you know, rather than actually fix the river, let's just move and let all the poor people deal with it. Yeah. It's, it's typical government solution. Mm. Not much changes in the last 50 years. <laughs> <laughs> MPs do start to question Lord John Manners, who is the first commissioner of works in public, public buildings. Mm. And Manners says the temple is not his jurisdiction. He's <laughs> not flying past his window. Well, I guess if his job is public buildings, the terms is not a building, not his problem. True. So he just, yeah, so it's not his jurisdiction, leaves it to someone else, I guess. Um, four days later, a second MP points out that the Thames has basically become a cesspit itself and asks again what Manners plans to do about it. Manners basically says that the state of the Thames isn't the government's responsibility. Whose is it then? Um, I don't know that he puts the blame onto someone else specifically, he just refuses to take it himself. Okay. Uh, around this time, at its worst, they're put in 200 to 250 long tons. I've never heard of a long ton. Yeah. Is around 100,000 kilos. Okay. So they're put in 200 to 250,000 kilos of lime or chalk at the openings of the sewers into the tent. And Workers are spreading lime on the shore of the Thames, or the shores of the Thames, yeah. at low tide at a cost of £1,500 a week. Which is pretty for them. In today's money, that is more than £190 grand a week. Mm. They're spending to do this. Wow. So, on the 15th of June, 1858, someone finally decides to make it someone's responsibility. Okay. Who would later become the Prime Minister, but at this time he is leader of the House of Commons and Chancellor of the Exchequer. Okay, busy guy. Yeah. He tabled the Metropolis Local Management Amendment, Amendment Bill, which is an amendment to the Metropolis Management Act of 1855. Yep. And in this amendment, he puts the responsibility of cleaning the terms onto the Metropolitan Board of Works. Okay. And on to John Hannes. Yep. So, Crawley's going, it's my problem. It is, it is now. 
Um, he specifies again in this amendment that the sewage outlets should be outside of London, yeah, wherever possible. But I thought my guy had already adjusted his plans. Um, he has, but I guess his plans are not in action yet. So okay. Someone could come along and be like, "No, it's too expensive. Just leave it in London." And this guy's going, "No, it's going out of London." Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. We don't care about the people just outside, but yeah. we don't Yeah. Yeah. Um, he allows the board to borrow three million, which is three hundred eighty-one million in today's money. Mazza. Um, and that is to be repaid from a tax on all London households over the next forty years. Hmm. Yeah, ten years. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> forty years to pay for some piping. 40 years they pay that back for. Wow. Um, in Is that just London people? That's in London households. Yeah. yeah. Well, they're the ones who want it out of the borough, out of the city. So. Mm. Um, so a lot of the amendments that he, or a lot of the specifications that he puts in the in this amendment are in line with Belgium's original plans yeah. and, you know, just sort of Rubbishist Manor's um, predecessors' objections to it. Okay. So this bill is debated in July and passed on the 2nd of August 1858. Right. We're doing it now. We're actually tidying up the Thames because it's someone's job now. So Basil, Basil, Basil who? Basil. Jet popping a champagne bottle. Maybe. I don't think that's it. So these plans include 1,100 miles or 1,800 kilometres of street sewers yeah. and 82 miles of main sewers okay. you know, that they all run into. Yeah. Um, and between 1859 and 1865, 400 draftsmen worked out the details of this first phase. 400 right. Sorry, 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 sorry. So my guy has been doing the plans for nigh on ten years now, <laughs> and then it takes another seven years for draftsmen to work on the plans. Yeah, I mean, I don't understand why it's been taking so long. Seventeen years so far, <laughs> and it still thinks. Wow, flipping heck! Um, you do have to sort of. You know, when you look into all the things that they had to consider, you're like, I understand why it took a while. Um, 17 years. Maybe not 17 years, but <laughs> I don't know. It's not my job. It might take me longer than that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, so, like, some, some areas in London are basically too low down. Yeah. They had to figure out how to raise the sewage to flow into the other pipe. Okay. Out of London. Um, he did or ordered a bunch of tests on like different batches of cement um, and fed back to the manufacturers to make sure they were getting it right this time. Right. Um, so, you know, he's, he's going all out to make sure that it's going to be successful this time and they're actually going to fix all the problems. And the press love it. They think he's doing a great job, even though we have to borrow another one for two million. <laughs> <laughs> so, pay back over 40 years. Or... Save money, I have a good fifty four million. <laughs> <laughs> but still, yeah, everyone everyone loves it. They think this guy's great and they still do, like all like historians 
civil engineers like architects yeah yeah, the ones that care about the history and stuff. Yeah. They still have them down as a great place. Yeah. But now we get to the actual building of these systems. When was this, 1952 or something? It took so long. When they stopped fanning around with a load of plants. <laughs> yeah. So the southern system, because it's south of the river, yeah. it's understandable for us to go south of the river. But because of that, it makes his job a bit easier. Right. You have three sewers south of the river. You have one that runs from Putney, one from Wandsworth, and one from Norwood. Mm-hmm. They all join up in Deptford. Yep. And they run out to Crossness Ponton Station in Bexley. Okay. And they're then hunt out to the centre high tide from Bexley. After being treated or something. No, at this point. Oh. I'll tell you that later. Mm-hmm. But now, it just gets to Bexley, and they pop it out on high tide. That's it. Job done. Yeah. Um, and once this part is completed, the Metropolitan Board of Works decide to give Thousand Trait a bonus. Mm-hmm. Of six grand, which is three times his salary, and in today's money, how much? Um... 600 grand. 770 grand. Wow. As a bonus. As a bonus. But who's paying that back? I don't know. Because if everyone's paying back the actual costs, where's the bonus come from? Is it added on the bill? But they decide a bonus of six grand is suitable for him, plus another four grand to be shared between his three assistants. Okay. Now this is criticised and gets scrapped later on. But right. at the time public spending is really tight, so the fact that they're like thinking of giving him this massive bonus mm. sort of you know, speaks volumes about his value and yeah. the value of the work that he's doing. So yeah. Great guy. Mm. Uh the northern system is a bit trickier because two thirds of the population live north of the river. Yeah. So they have to contend with busy streets, there's more like bridges, railway lines, canals, all that sort of stuff. Yeah, buildings. Navigate, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, they also have to deal with worker strikes in the first year of construction. Yeah. Um, heavy rainfall causing all sorts of problems. Yeah. The northern side does not go smoothly at all. But in the end, they have one sewer that runs from Hampstead Heath to Stoke Newington and then across Victoria Park. Yeah. And the second sewer that runs from Bayswater, by the long Oxford Street through Clerkenwell and Bethel Green, and joins the first one. Yeah. They run through to Abbey Mills Pumping Station in Stratford. Yeah. And there, they're joined by a first sewer which starts at Hammersmith and basically follows like the north side of the river. Yep. Through to Stratford. From there, the three of them, once they're joined, run five miles from Stratford to an outflow pipe at Beckton. Uh huh. I mean, it still stinks in Beckton now. It does still stink in Beckton. Yeah. <laughs> it still stinks in Beckton. <laughs> and it is a part of this whole construction of the sewer system that they built Victoria embankment, Chelsea embankment from the North Shore 
and on the south shore of the embankment. Okay. So all of them are part of this whole project. Okay. In building rosemary embankments, they took 52 acres from the tent. Mm. Yeah. And that cost 1.71 million. In today's money, 222 million. Wow. And that included, I think, at, like in their money, it was about half a million was spent on property. Right. But they obviously needed to buy some of the property that was on the shore to be able to build there. Yeah, yeah. Um, so yeah, I think that was quite a lot of it. Yeah, maybe a a quarter to the third of that money was on property. Yeah. Um, so the Chelsea embankment is the last of those three to be completed. That was completed in 1874. And he was knighted after that. Mm. So it's kind of a big deal. So Basil Jet. So Joseph Basil Jet. Yeah. Um, the, all of the work was completed and the system was fully operational in 1875. So once they got going, it weren't too long, was it? If so you think about it. Going, I believe the northern system took about six years. Not no, but I think yeah, but this this seems to be about ten years. Yeah. And and if you think it took them seventeen years to draw up the plans, yeah, the actual process is another ten years, which is ridiculous, but. 27 years to get to get it sorted but but compared to drawing up a few plans they cracked on yeah yeah so it's all completed in 1875 in total yeah 318 million bricks for you wow 670,000 cubic meters of concrete and water total cost was six and a half million which in today's money is, is eight hundred million. Seven hundred fifty-seven million. Yeah. Well, I've kind of worked out the conversion rate now. <laughs> now that I know what it is. Yeah. So, yeah, that's the total cost. Six and a half million. Still less than the Olympics. <laughs> I don't know, but it was a lot. Okay. Yeah, it was. Is it more <laughs> I don't know. I mean, I wouldn't be surprised. Hmm. Yeah, 
Mm, well done. So you're born with John Snow. It's typically it. Nice. In 
They're not quite as fancy as the previous. It's it's not of exceptional interest. Mm. Just more than special. <laughs> um, yeah, that's that. That is all I know about the great thing. Wow. I mean, can you even imagine how bad it was? <laughs> I mean, even without the snow, 48 degrees or whatever it was, it's bad about. Yeah, but the thing is, it's... <sighs> It's one of those things, I mean, you know I love Victorian stuff, I love Victorian dramas, but you you never see them turn their nose up when they're walking down the street in these dramas no. about the smell. And I always glamorise it in my mind that I would love to have been there at that yeah. time. In truth, the streets were full of mud and filth, there was no pavements, there was no decent sewer system or electricity. People weren't smiling like they are on these shows. <laughs> and they definitely wouldn't have been able to manage the smell like that. I mean, if you go to Beckton, it's bad enough, right? Or if you go down past Edmonton, past the incinerator there, mm-hmm. it's bad enough if the wind's in the wrong direction. Yeah. But your whole life having that smell, I don't feel like you get used to it. Do you? No, was it how long it takes us like yeah. Or do crazy. people just work all crowd all day going, have you let one go? <laughs> no, have you? No. Like, do you know what I mean? It, like, it must have been awful. I and mean, then, like you say, in that heat, no thanks. Well, he's held as being like the single official that had the most impact in Victorian era or something like that. Right, okay. Which, I mean, yeah, it seemed like everyone else with any power was just trying to the time after someone else. Hmm. Yeah, I mean, it might have taken him 17 years to come up with the plan, but he got it done, didn't it? Yeah. Okay. Nice. Yeah. Very interesting. I thought so. I was going to be proud. Yeah. Good. <laughs> right, so my three facts. Yeah. I've really struggled to think of some. I know there's like a million facts in the world. But when I'm researching, all I think, all I find it are real facts. Right. And, and the difficult part is deciding how to make facts into lies. But you can just make something up completely. Yeah. But I feel like I won't be as genuine. <laughs> so, anyway, here we go. So, this time, the facts are not all about um, the same topic, but different versions of. Mm-hmm. They're all random things. So, um, the first fact is that the biggest selling British act of all time is the Rolling Stones. Okay. The second fact is that um, Elton John's single, Rocket Man, is the biggest selling single of all time. Okay. And... The third fact is that bananas have got ten times more calories than watermelon, gram for gram. Okay. Hmm. 
Told you they're random. So, Rocket Man. I feel like that's something I would know. Really? Well, because you love Elton John, yeah. Yeah, so I feel like it would have been a fact that I've heard at some point. Mostly because I think Frederick would have told me that if that was true. Okay. Because he knows stuff like that. Okay. Hmm. Have I said? No. <laughs> Wrong show. <laughs> um, the first one, the Rolling Stones, the biggest selling. UK, track. UK. UK well, UK artist. Hmm. Now, I don't rate them, but I feel like that's the sort of thing that you hear about the Beatles. Okay. And I can't understand why that would be true, but I feel like that's the thing that I've heard about them. Mm-hmm. Bananas, I believe. Okay. Well, they're ground for ground. Yeah, but what about the first two water? Mm-hmm. So do you want me to go over the facts one more time? Go on. <laughs> okay. So um, the biggest selling UK artist is the Rolling Stones. Mm-hmm. Um, Elton John's Rocket Man is the biggest selling single of all time. Mm-hmm. And ground for ground. Bananas have got more than 10 times uh, the calories of watermelon. Bananas. True. It is true. Yeah. Bananas have got 346 calories per 100 grams compared to 30 of watermelon. So there you are. If you want to choose a fruit and you're not trying to eat too many calories. (laughs) I mean, bananas are so much. You might as well have a mouth bar, isn't it? Um, <laughs> um, the biggest selling artist is in fact the Beatles mm-hmm. well done and the biggest selling single is an Elton John song and it is the Candle in the Wind oh, yeah, stroke cool. uh, Where You Look Tonight uh, double A side right yeah. so yeah. that's the biggest selling I'll tell you how many copies it is if you like yeah. um, it is 4.93 million copies for a single, it's a lot. Yeah, mm. yeah. Mm. All right then, two nil. Oh no! <laughs> <laughs> you got catching up to me. I know, I know. Oh, I think you try and make the clues a bit too sort of um, cryptic for my taste. Cleaning up the terms could have been more obvious. It's literally what it was. It was. <laughs> yeah. But yeah. Anyway, whatever. No, I'm not one for clues. No. I like it how it is. I like, I, like, I like it just straight talking how it is. But yeah, mm, very interesting. Yeah. No worries. If you enjoyed this episode, you can follow, subscribe, whatever you need to do. You can find us on Twitter at TAIK Podcast, on Instagram at That's All I Know Podcast, and I'll be back next week.